Welcome to episode 44 of Sitcom Geeks. I'm Dave Cohen. And I'm James Carey. And uh, today we're going to be uh, looking at uh, two of your 10-page challenge scripts, which uh, we are uh, getting through them, I think. Uh, Yeah, I think these ones date back to the early 70s. Yeah, they said them such a long time ago. Sorry about that. Uh, Many apologies. I think we are actually up to 2016 now. (laughs) Which is why we do say, please stop sending them, because we are ashamed at how long we're taking to get through them. Yes, I think that message has finally gone through, but we are are getting there. Although uh, some people are, are finding the podcast and listening to earlier episodes of it and then just in good faith yeah. sort of sending them in that's true so our, we're being damned by our previous episodes okay but you know that's just the way it goes right all right then but um for the time being uh we, we shall plow on with the ones that we have we've also we've uh, had quite a few questions recently from uh um our followers on uh, Twitter, and um, we'll be dealing with them. But first, we'll we'll, we'll start with these um, two um, sitcom episodes. And the first one that we're going to look at is uh, called Council House Swap, and it's by uh, Gareth Wilson. Um, Do you want to start, introduce? Uh, Just a quick summary. You have um, a a garden flat. So clearly this is a, a Victorian townhouse. And you have uh, Richard, who is alone, and then uh, his annoying neighbour, Dion, comes to the door and she is inviting him to a party. He says he can't go because um, of his auntie, elderly relative, and she says, oh, bring the elderly relative. And then we go back to uh, Dion's place and Darren is there, Darren and Dion. Um, and uh, their oh, daughter... Those, uh, alliterative names, they yes. don't go down well with you, James. No, they do, they? they do not. Um... <laughs> And so there's a scene there where they're talking about the party they're going to have and... Um, Different gender, that helps, uh, doesn't Yes, it? that's right. And Dion, although for me Dion's a, a male name. Um, yes, true. Uh, she is saying, oh, this guy insisted on um, bringing his auntie, who's clearly mental, and uh, there's a, a little bit about that. Um, apologies for background noise, by the way. Um, we can't do much about this crime-ridden area no. that Dave Cohen lives in. <laughs> yes, I think maybe. Uh, well, I think it's more. It's a, a Hurricane Doris or whatever it is is going on there now. So yes, maybe, yes, uh, as well. Maybe so alarms going off or whatever. Yes, with the if wind. there is if there yeah. is fast-moving wind, it isn't necessarily uh, the presenters of this podcast. Um, so getting back, um, <laughs> and then we go back to scene three, um, and uh, Richard, who was there before his. Um, Girlfriend, wife, partner uh, comes back and they are dreading going to the next party and there is some altercation about um, use of the garden Um, and so clearly these are neighbours who don't get on and then Linda, who is another neighbour, turns up who is um, a very sympathetic character and she's um, got a very important housing office form to fill in and that is the end of the ten pages. Mm. Um, I'm sorry, Gareth, I haven't sold it terribly well. I haven't made it sound like... Um, like amazingly hilarious but that's just want to get people to know what what we're talking mm. about if you want to find that script you can go to our Facebook page and find a link through and you'll find um, you'll be able to download the PDF of the first 10 pages of this script I mean the first thing that, that um, struck me was uh, it's um, it's how rare it is, how, how nice it is actually to see um, working class characters in a, in a sitcom. And uh, I mean, I just I, I grew up watching uh, 
those kind of characters, the Steptoe, Till Death of Do Part, and Coronation Street, which I know is not a comedy, but was very funny those days. And uh, I just, I was thinking there's a, there's a whole PhD thesis to be had in this, isn't there? The, the disappearance of, of working class people from sitcoms. And, yeah. And, uh, I mean, it is quite quite amazing how... Uh, how few there are. I think chewing gum is uh, the only one I can think of at the moment. Yeah. So that was that was nice uh, to see that. Um, the the plots. I was a, there, there, there's plenty going on, but I was a little bit confused. Uh, the, the the first the, the show starts with a um, the, the, this guy Richard who, who James mentioned who's on, on his own and he's he seems to be answering some kind of con phone call but he's he's pretending to be the old lady who owns the flat so uh, we we don't know does he, has he actually is it, does he pretend that he's still living there is he claiming benefits for a dead relative or something it's all it's sort of in the air we don't quite know and we never we never actually find out so unless i'm being a bit thick and i've I've missed something well and then he also mentions an elderly aunt living with him yeah and so you're thinking does he have to keep up a pretense of this what what i suspect is that um is that rich is just having a bit of fun annoying somebody on the end of a phone which is fine yeah but i wouldn't start your sitcom with that it doesn't actually reveal character and actually it's it's just creating confusion as to the situation so that's my my overall note with these 10 pages is what's good about it is if it is very clear that this is about neighbors at war mm-hmm. that's great but i do feel that um it's you, you get that very quickly and therefore you can escalate things and move things on much faster yeah. you know a party is announced and uh you have in scene one, you have a reaction to to that in scene two from the people having the party. You have a reaction to it in scene three from the people who feel obliged to go. But nothing's happened. Mm. Um, and somebody has a form to fill in um, that's very important to them. That's on page ten. Um, you're sort of a third of the way through your show by that point. So I think you could probably accomplish everything you do in ten pages in probably five yeah. If not four, I think that's uh, uh, that, that's true, and I think um, that that's, that the, the plots are set up nicely. So the neighbour comes round and says, uh, "Come to a party," and it's it, it seems like <clears throat> having already invented the one lady, and we're not sure if she's invented or, or not. But then the, Richard talks about this, uh, uh, as James says, this elderly aunt who oh she's very ill and she's got mental health issues, and it sort of seems like he's making up this character as any excuse to not get invited to the party and then Dion says oh well you know bring her along as well um so at the end of that episode I mean at the end of that scene you'd be thinking okay right Richard Richard is now thinking ah right I've I have invented this character how am I how am I going to get out of this excuse me I have to bring an old person to yeah. a party that I don't even want to well, go to. Well, we haven't, we don't get yeah. to any ideas at all like that. But so it just, it, it's just she's invited this old lady who may or may not have been made up. We almost certainly think is made up, and then there's no, there's no follow up at all. And then similarly, then Dion, when we see Dion with her partner uh, and daughter, and then she says, "Oh no, I've, I, I had to invite." This old late mental old lady to come along to this party. Um, what are we going to do? And you sort of think, oh well, then whatever whatever had been decided in the previous scene, they're going to do something that that that's going to kind of escalate. However bad this made up 
mm. character is, they're going to escalate it more. Yeah. But again, it's just it's just left hanging. Um, so that's a nice, uh, not, uh, potentially a nice nice plot that's that's not not developed. Um, I what mean, I did like is how, and I mentioned it, but I summarised it. I like the fact that um, Dion uh, comes back um, to the flat and reports a conversation in a completely different way to what we've just seen. Yeah. Um, that's great. I really like that. And I don't actually see enough of that in these sorts of scripts where somebody says, you know, oh, he, he insisted on bringing his aunt. No, 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 you are the one who actually insisted <laughs> that, that he bring and you didn't yes. see the signs. Yeah, that's right. And that, that, that really reveals character with, with, with comedy and jokes. So mm. that's a real sweet spot there. So that's, that's something I'd be really encouraged by when I'm, when I'm reading this and thinking, is this someone that I would want to work with if I were a producer? Hmm. And that's a good uh, a, a good point. And there, there, there are these these characters are all promising. And the, and the, the the character that James mentioned, the one who who has to get her form signed, uh, she's called Linda, and she's described as single mum, forties, always being put upon due to her generous nature, which is a which I instantly recognise that person, which is great. But then the person in the scene is not. Uh, is, is is not that doesn't yeah. fit that description. Yeah. And you you know I want to see I want to see her and uh, you know I want to see that. And in fact you may so that you don't even have to put that in your character description. We you, we you can do that in two sentences, two exchanges. Uh, you, and, and I, I I would still recognise that that type probably. Um, so. I mean that's what my 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 feeling was. There's a lot of characters in this, and uh, I like them, uh, and I, I'm I'm interested in. Yeah, them all. there's about the right amount of characters actually, yeah. which I think is good. But I think what I would do is I would I would look at each character with in a bit more depth, and uh, and just ask yourself, well, what does this what does this character want in their lives, and what are they getting, and and what's what's the thing that's a little bit funny about them, or you got it with the Linda character, she, you know, she's. Yeah, I, I can, I can imagine comedy with her. This character who is put upon due to her generous yeah. nature. Yeah. That's great. That's the kind of thing that you need for all the characters. But you don't want it written like that in the script. We yeah. want to. We want to see that yeah. with, the, with the jokes. Yeah. Really. There's a there's a case in point here. The start of scene three. Ellie, um, Richard's wife, um, a, a stern seeming thirty something Asian female walks into the room. And her first line is, "Hey babe, how are you?" Mm. So, you've—that's not a simple. If she is seemingly stern, mm. um, she needs to come in and immediately criticise him or say, you, yeah. "You've left the thing outside. You've done this wrong. You've mm-hmm. not done that." Or yeah. mm-hmm. she would sort of come in and you know, you 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 only get one chance to make a first impression with your character, so you really do have to make the most of that. So. Yeah. Um, uh, so that's hopefully something that we can all learn from. You know, I continually get that wrong and continually don't make the most of that first introduction to a character. Mm. Um, but she could be carrying something. Is she wearing a uniform from work? You know, is, is there just other some visual clues we could see to know a little bit more about her that don't that don't require any dialogue mm. as well? I, I always come back to the first three minutes of Friends, the, mm. the pilot episode, which uh, which uh, you should watch. And watch again, um, because you get everything you want to know about Friends. The entire two hundred odd episodes, yeah. whatever, is contained in that opening three minutes. That tiny little acorn. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, the thing that 
the, the, the five of them all sitting in Central Perk chatting away, and they're all their characters are revealed just in those conversations and then three minutes in uh, Rachel enters for the first time into this little bar, this little cafe in New York but she's in full wedding dress yeah. and it's um, such a striking visual yeah. uh, way to, to for someone to come, uh, come enter their, it's their first entrance yeah. and the whole show eventually is kind of about well will she will, will they, will, will she marry Ross or won't she yeah, and, so, yeah. and so it kind of I, they, they couldn't have known that that's what it was going to be for ten years, but the, but it, but it was the the work had been done, the preparation had been put in. Yeah. So that opening three minutes, and that that's that's the thing. Give make sure your characters are memorable in the in the first things they say. Yeah, it is the hardest thing to do. The first few minutes, you know, you, mm. you've got to do the hardest thing first, and it's it's brutal, but. And I think you've said before you have to do it in every in a first series. You kind of have to do it in every episode. I think you, you do. Yeah, you can't assume mm. that people have seen it. And it's a good discipline to have generally. You know, even into a second series, into you know, you want to make sure it's only once the show, show is really established, you can start to have your regular characters start by doing things out of character that you think, oh, that's unusual. Why are they doing that? Yeah. But that that's a series four problem mm. um, to be to be having. Uh, so um, thank you uh, Gareth for sending us uh, your script back in the dim distant past that you've probably already rewritten and had made by NBC uh, in America <laughs> uh, so uh, if so could could we work on the show please thank um, you so the second script is um, called WA14 uh, by Lawrence Weich which Weich. Um, which is a radio script. Uh, mm-hmm. I didn't notice that at first as I was reading it and then thought, oh, this is a radio script. Right. Um, and uh, I think it's your turn to summarise. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Good luck with that, because I you. found this quite hard to understand. Yes, well, I initially wrote down, I thought this is about a group of people who live in a specific part of Manchester, hence the, the postcode, but, but would like the boundaries to be reorganised so that they can be part of a much posher uh, area, WA15, it's called WA14. Uh, and I, at least that's what I, I thought it was about, um, and that's certainly the main premise of, of, of the first scene. But then a, a series of scenes follow that feel almost more like uh, sketches than, than scenes, and there's a there's a voiceover at the start of each scene as well. So it it kind of almost feels like, well, not every scene, but but certainly quite a few of them. So it it, it kind of makes me think Little Britain, um, or Arrested Development, or yeah, something yeah. like that. Um, I suppose it felt more like they, these were characters. This was like a snapshot mm. of of what Britain is like, and so we um, there, there's a character in the first scene who uh, that well there's, there's some discussion about the the local council and how that whether they're going to be able to change the the date or not, uh, change the, the 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 code or not rather, and um, this uh, character Pat who sort of fleetingly passes through the first scene, he then appears in in the next scene and becomes kind of the main character um and he seems to be uh, he's kind of at a loose end he's trying trying to make changes in his life which is a good 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 starting point for a character he, he uh i guess he he's an entertainer or something he works on cruise ships um and yes uh, although at one point he's asked um how do you get money and he says i don't know and then yeah. Lucy says, you should get a job, and everyone yeah. laughs. Yeah. Um, 
And then he ends up being a used car salesman. Yes, well, that, that's the quite quite interesting how those are sort of the leaps, really. He goes from... Uh, <coughs> he's, he entertains old ladies on cruise ships, is how he makes his money. He has this friend who's a Russian musician called Vladimir, um, which uh, uh, seems kind of slightly unusual person to, ha- to have as your, your close friend uh, in this little area of Manchester. But he, he's, you know, they... They sit and chat and get drunk a lot. Um, there are quite a few other characters as well, but unlike the, the the first episode that we talked about, the council house swap, I I found it a lot harder to distinguish. Uh, there's Lucy, Liz, and Sue, and I and I can't quite remember who, which is which is which, and who does what. And then there's Dave and Nigel as well, and and Pat, and and there's, there's, there's an Edna on page Edna five as well. So Ed, uh, Edna, I vaguely remember who who she is, and and Pat, I know because he's in there a lot, and Vlad. But the others are kind of not quite sure what they're doing. But yes, as as James says, there's one scene where. Pat says, what am I going to do to make some money? And someone says, get a job. And they all laugh. They said, no, no, you'd be a really good car salesman. You know, you're so charming. You could uh, charm people as a car salesman. Cut to next scene. One month later, he's a car salesman. Uh, which um, is fine. But um, the, the, in terms of there being a narrative to this show, I am yeah. kind of... I, I'm wondering if it is more has was more sort of thought of as a as a, a collection of sketches about the same a, same group of people, which again is not a. Not it does a bad throw up the question. I mean, there are so two things there. One is the voiceover, which is worth addressing, but secondly, the fact that um, the meet the moment that within between scenes two and three or three and four or something, you jump a month, um, just for some reason makes me worried, and. There, there seems to be a bit of an unwritten rule that, in a sitcom, most events within the half hour take place within about a twenty-four hour to seventy-two hour period. Mm. Do you know what I mean? You could have a sh- you could have a show yeah. start on the Friday and it kind of wraps up on Sunday night. We could have a show start on the Monday with a first day at work, and it finishes on the Tuesday. But for some reason, it mm. having things last longer than that. Is is slightly and occasionally you you just march through time and you don't really draw attention to the fact that time is passing. Yeah, um, I think that's um, and that's that's. I don't know why I I can't quite put my finger on why that bothers well, me. Yeah, well, I think it's probably because you know in the sitcom you're you're because a sitcom is a self-contained episode and we'll yeah. talk about that in, in, in a moment. Um, <clears throat> they, they, it's a it's a story that that's that's ha- starts. You know, two minutes in, we need to know what the story is, and then by the end of the episode, the story has to end. And it's it's not some great big heroic adventure. Nobody grows during the the episode. No, you end up with the characters being pretty much the same as they were at the start. Nobody learns anything, and so. Um, you know, you can imagine like a drama or something. It's a, there's an epic journey, and 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 time can pass. But in a sitcom, there kind of isn't really enough time to pass. If if time passes, I think we're used to expecting when time passes in a in our entertainment that we watch that lessons are learned, mm. and maybe that's why the sitcom. And as we talked a couple of episodes previously about the the bottle episode which um writers love to write and that's that's sometimes that's often set actually in real time so there's the whole everything that happens takes place in the course of half an hour Mm. so um 
So yes, I think it's. Uh, I think that's possibly why in comedy we do not tolerate uh, that such a long passing of time. I mean, there's you can have there's often things where you have jokes and you kind of they'll there'll be a kind of flashback to, to ten yeah. years before or something or ten years ahead, flash forward or something. So, um, but but generally the story itself. As you say, probably seventy-two hours is, yeah. is as much as we tolerate. And, and you can, I think, you can play with that and make a virtue of changing that unwritten convention. But I think you have to own it and and make sure you know what you're doing and why you're doing it. Mm. Um, and so um, there was that issue. The second issue is for me about use of voiceover. Um, you know, typically people say that voiceover is cheating and that you're sort of telling people stuff that you should be able to convey through dialogue. I don't think that's necessarily true because some of my favourite shows have voiceover. You have mm-hmm. voiceover in uh, Arrested Development. You have voiceover in the Goldbergs. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it, I think it doesn't work so well on radio, I think, for some reason. I'm not quite well, sure. Well, it's all voiceover, isn't it? Really? Yeah, it's, it's all, all voice. Vo- so yeah. um, a voiceover on the television is something is saying what you can't see. Yeah. Um, and that can be as well. Modern, as well. Yeah. So Modern bit. Family is using it almost as voiceover, isn't it? Yeah. They're talking directly. And parks and rec and that's a thing now hmm. um but the all-knowing narrator i think can be a character and can can work but at the moment it's we're not making the voiceover isn't amazingly funny but also isn't telling us stuff um that we might not be able to get through through exposition in dialogue so i don't think that i think you need to make more use of it or or not have it i mean i i after reading the first scene, I thought I I'd like the idea of a sitcom that would be based around small town local politics. I mean, unlike something like The Vicar of Dibley or Citizen Smith, um, this 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 would actually be. I thought it'd be specifically about like a small ward in a in a local yes. council. Um, and maybe it's just that's the sort of thing that interests me anyway. But um, I, the, the idea is it's not really about the politics. It's about it's about the personalities and, and, and the class as well yeah. and how people see themselves. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But um, but because there were so many characters and leaping around and things, uh, so my my big note uh, I would say is you know what's what is it about mm. uh, and what's it really about, and then once once you decide that, then you can start to start to um, go back to it. I think. I agree. I agree, but um, thank you, thank you very Lawrence, much, Lawrence, for thank sending you, Lawrence. us your script. I'm um, sorry for the delay again. Yes, and um, <laughs> I hope the HBO series, which this has now become, is going very well for you. Yeah. Um, and um, again, the, uh, the the request to work on the show uh, still stands. Um, so we also uh, have some uh, questions yep. that we right. were sent, weren't we? We tweeted out, "Does anyone want to ask us any questions?" Yes. And we had some sure responses. Enough, we had some responses. Although by the time this goes out, those questions were several weeks ago. But <laughs> yeah. uh, that's just the way it is. Well, I don't know. We're we're, we're almost. Uh, oh. No, we're not. No, we're not. You're <laughs> no, right. We've we got part two of yes, that's John true. Lloyd's to have been broadcast before people hear this. That's but that's true. okay. Ah, oh, yes, those were the days. Those were the uh, days. Yeah. So we'll start with uh, Andy Riley, who uh, has been a guest, of course, on this show. Uh, Andy and uh, Kevin Cecil, they're uh, very successful. Um, writing comedy writing partnership and he also yeah. is the writer of if you have kids a book about a character called king flashy pants which i thoroughly recommend um yeah. i read to my daughter the first one and the second one's just out 
So um, anyway, I don't know why I'm plugging Andy's books for him, but he's a very nice yeah. man, so why not? He is. And Andy and Kevin together, they write, uh, they've written for Veep, and they're writing for Tracy Ullman at the moment. And, and they do black uh, books as well. Black right? books, million things. That, uh, um, uh, Nomeo like, and Juliet. Nomeo and Juliet. Yes. Anyway, so Andy Riley asks us, how many subplots does a sitcom need? Mm. Yeah. And um, that's... Um, has he asked us that before? I think he might have done. I, I, don't, I don't want to accuse Andy of being slightly obsessed with the number of subplots. Right. But it's a good question. It's interesting. That's been, it's something that's been obsessing me a little bit recently because I've been re-watching uh, the early episodes of, of Modern Family. Um, and um, it's, uh, and over Christmas we were watching with the, the family, watching uh, the whole of Outnumbered. We watched all sort of through the series. And, and it, it does interest me how and a British... Uh, British sitcoms generally, you know, we've got the, the outnumbered as a family of five, and the whole story is based around them. And Modern Family, uh, there's there's six more characters, eleven characters, mm. and it's seven minutes shorter. Um, and uh, I mean, the incredible amount of uh, plotting that goes mm. into like an episode of Modern Family, which seems to have three plots every episode. To cover all three uh, well, what's, different um, variations of all the the, the eleven the people. Thing in I've, it. I've been thinking about this because it, see, it isn't amazing, but what the, the but what they do, which I think is a good rule of thumb, is that the number of plots you have in an episode depends, I think, on the number of characters that you have. Yeah. So, and I don't think a character should really, unless they're the lead, like in Miranda, where she is at the centre of all the plots, yeah. or not going out, or not going out, or something. Yeah. As a rule, if you have more of a of a, combi- uh, a show where you have lots of characters and no clear lead necessarily, um, I think you need as many plots to give everybody something to do, mm. to make sure that everyone has an attitude and everyone has something that they're trying to achieve. So on Bluestone, we had an annoyingly big cast of uh, of nine, mm. and so we made sure that in every we we normally assumed that we would have a main plot and a subplot and a C plot, which is almost like a running joke. Right, and that would often be Mac and Rocket, the squaddies mucking about or doing something, and that might be with Bird, or that might be with Simon, mm-hmm. or that might be with the Lieutenant Colonel or the Padre, or it, the subplot might be Bird and Simon arguing about something, and you know. And Mac or Rocket have one of the B plots where they're obsessed with a rat or or something like that. Yeah. Um, but what you need is, uh, if you're going to see a character, that you sort of need to know what they're trying to achieve in the episode, even tangentially. I think I learnt this on My Hero, which also had a cast of nine, right. where everybody didn't necessarily need to be leading a plot, but they sort of needed to be responding to a plot or pushing yeah. back on a plot. Yeah. So that all of your so, but if you only have four characters in your show, you're going to struggle mm. to have more than two plots, um, and there's no reason why you should have more than two plots. You should oh. probably have a main plot and a subplot. If you have nine, then you should probably have three plots. Mm-hmm. Four is a is hard to, to juggle, yeah. but you could have three plots and a running joke for a fourth. Yeah, I think um, Seinfeld in its pomp was would have four plots. Yeah, sometimes there are some episodes where all four have their own story. Yeah. And somehow they manage to, you know, and you watch an episode where uh, that you can remember, and then, and then another plot starts, and you think, oh, yeah. is that in? This? I didn't know that <laughs> yeah, was in the same yeah. episode as the other That's one. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Um, so I think you need as many subplots yeah. as your characters yeah. require. Yeah. 
Yes, approximately uh, a square a square root of uh, of characters is the number of plots. <laughs> so for four four characters, two plots. Nine characters, three plots. Something like that. Yes, and that's that's the exact. But what, what it means is, it's a, what, what it does mean is, that if yeah. you have a, a plot where someone's trying to do something and someone else is trying to stop them, mm. you've only taken up two characters with that one plot, so you'll need another plot which involves three mm-hmm. uh, or four people. Yeah. Um, and sometimes though, your your characters will naturally sort of clump together um, in alliances, but those alliances aren't necessarily the same yeah. uh, every week. Mm. So uh, I think it's just a question of making sure that everyone has yeah. an attitude, something to do, yes. something to play, and that they are at the start, uh, at, the, at the end of the episode, something has happened to them yeah. that of significance, even if they haven't necessarily been the main sort of driving force. Yeah. It. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's uh, thanks, Andy, for that. And uh, now we've also we had a question from George George Poles, uh, another very successful comedy writer, writes uh, a lot of. Um, Children's TV, sitcom... Uh, Lots of radio things. comedy as well. Radio comedy. Mm-hmm. We worked together on News Quiz for many years. Um, and he says... Um, his question is, following the death of Monster of the Week and a single-story drama... I think death is possibly an exaggeration, um, but certainly there are maybe less less of those. He says, do sitcoms also need a series arc? So um, that's an interesting uh, question. Various... Um, People were have been sort of discussing this on. Uh, I've been reading about on Twitter. Um, does a sitcom need a series? Up? Well, and again, recently I've been watching uh, Love Sick, which you may remember had the awful title of uh, Scrotal Recall in oh. its first series. Uh, despite the awful title, uh, it was a brilliant show, I thought. And then just having watched through all fourteen episodes, I think on Netflix, um, and there's a very, very. It's very much a. a, a, a a, a long, an ongoing story, um, and I think I think it's uh, brilliant. Actually, it's one of the best sitcoms that I've watched in in recent years. Um, but it manages to tell an ongoing story, and it sort of leaps leaps over time and things. And in fact, goes completely against what I, we've just been saying about something taking place over seventy two hours. But actually, actually, probably each episode does go over seventy two hours. But there are there is always a flashback story in there. Mm. That, that's like six months ago or five years ago, and so um, the, sh- the show leaps through time, but 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 is kind of moving forward, um, and there's and there's a definitely strong narrative. But all the characters in it are classic sitcom characters. They mm-hmm. they make the same mistakes year in year out, and yeah. um, and so um, uh, and and. Um, you can kind of see how the, the 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 plots are developing, but you don't quite know what's going to happen. So um, it's really interesting, and hopefully, there's going to be a, a third series as well. I'd be fascinated to know how how uh, Tom Edge, the writer, develops that that third series. So, he might, but he's that's how he set the show up. he's, yes, he's established the rules. And is it, that it, an so, exception that proves the rule? Well, I don't know. I, I think these days there are lots of. I mean, I think so. The, the death of the single. The, the monster of the week thing. I mean, I I love monsters. Monster of the week shows. So yeah. I've just got started watching Elementary, right? Which is the sh- which is the show that Sherlock refuses to be, right? Um, mm. And I find sh- Sherlock's sort of ludicrously inward lookingness, and that every episode is now some sort of special. Mm-hmm. Whereas I would just I I just like it when there's a mystery. 
there's yeah. a dead body, <laughs> and Sherlock's called in, and he solves it. I like right. that. Okay. <laughs> you know, I've I not don't, seen that. I, I don't yeah. require... But that, yeah. that's kind of how most cop shows and detective shows right. have always worked yeah. through, for, forever. And, you know, before the killing and all that kind yeah. of stuff. Right. So tons of that Monster of the Week stuff is still being made. Yeah. And it's still being watched in huge numbers. Yeah. That's why I liked... I thought House was great because House was, oh, what's wrong with this guy? Oh, um, maybe it's this. No, it's not that. Maybe yeah. it's this. Oh, is it that? Mm-hmm. No, it's not. He lied, and it's this. Yeah. And we've fixed him. Well, um, so I liked that yeah. thing. That's really, like, my name is Earl was a really good example of a yeah. show which just has this. Oh, number seventy three on my list. Make yeah. up for that bad thing I did, and off you go. Right. But, but I think there are more options now because yeah. the narrative of you know because we do have a box set culture. Yeah. You can now do stuff that you couldn't do before. But I think the worry is for me that comedy writers get rather excited about story arcs and series arcs and yeah. forget that they're trying to make people laugh. Yes, that's a good point. I mean, I, I, but I, one, one thing that uh, I've, I've been very impressed with recently and, and ended up watching it all through very quickly was uh, Orange is the New Black, which is uh, a... Uh, a, a comedy drama, and I, that's, I, I don't often say that phrase without a sort of sneer in my, mm. my uh, voice. But actually, it's a comedy drama because uh, each episode is an hour long. There is a lot of drama, there is a lot of comedy, and there's a lot of narrative. Um, but essentially, there's a bunch of the same people, week in, week out, mm. doing the same things, making the same mistakes, stuck in the same uh, world, or they have to be, it's prison. Um, and it that feels to me like a definitely it's it's a it's an extended sit, every episode is an extended sitcom with a, with uh, extended with some drama in there as well. So um, I I, th- I think maybe that that's you know more shows will come through like that where uh, writers comedy writers do get excited with 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 uh, stories, but as long as the characters stay in character, yeah. that's the most important thing. So I mean, you can do amazing things with story. Uh, yeah. I think Arrested Development demonstrates that. Yeah. That is, you know, they're, they're, they are huge story arcs, but the characters are doing their thing every week. Yeah. And there are still familiar locations. Yeah. Um, so, so, yeah, I, I think, again, you, you set the rules. So yeah. you, you do what you think you need to. Yeah, um, but, to make, make but whatever you do, as long as the characters behave consistently or even mm. inconsistently for the reasons that they are inconsistent characters um then either will do and that that's the 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 key as with everything is character okay thanks george thank you george uh and we have a a tweet question from tom gregory who uh, i don't know but his uh, tweet name is tom gregory actor so um that gives me a clue uh he's an actor i guess um and he asks a question hypothetical he says um or is he? Well, he's an actor. We don't know. Um, Ooh, he clever says, actor. Very clever, yes. Yeah. He says, producer likes your thing, wants to meet. Any tips for that first meeting? Good question. Um, don't be weird. <laughs> That's my first tip. Yeah. <laughs> don't be weird. And the reason... The thing you should be thinking about in that meeting is, if this producer likes my thing, and they want to invest time in it, probably time initially rather than money, I'm afraid, that producer is thinking, is this person who uh, who's coming to meet me, 
is this the sort of person I want to work with? Is it going to be worth the bother? Because getting this show onto TV or radio, well, TV probably, is going to take ages and be very difficult. It's going to be a hard sell. It's going to need writing and rewriting. Is this the kind of writer that I actually want to work with? Mm-hmm. And so you want to be the kind of writer that someone wants to work with. Conversely, you need to think, is this the kind of producer that I want yeah. to work with? Yeah. And if you risk discover that they say things that you know are factually not true, or they seem to be full of self-aggrandizing statements about their experience, you know, that a certain alarm bells should be going off. Yeah. Or if or if they have made a ton of things that you simply don't like and therefore, yeah. it seems odd that they like the thing that you like. Um, you you just need to work out, is this someone that I can be in business with? Because that is what it is. It is a business. Yeah. So I think those are the kind of things you should have in your mind as you're yeah. approaching that meeting, other than being late and be smart and um, yeah. don't be weird. Right. And I think um, the, 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 what I, I would say is um, the producer may have said that they like your thing, um, but for all the reasons that James has just mentioned, they may be thinking, well, I like I like the way this person writes, and uh, I'm not sure that this is going to be something that's going to get made, but I would be happy to work with this person. If that's something that you would want to do, if you're so wedded to your one idea that that's the only thing you would do, then fair enough, you walk away. But uh, generally, I think most people will be very happy to, to be asked to work with a producer even if it's not necessarily for the first thing to be their own thing and one thing that the producer is almost certainly bound to ask you is uh, have you got anything else and uh, I remember the uh, the arrogance of my 20s when I was the uh, I was getting asked to meet producers as a because of my uh, comedy live comedy and so I was walking in there thinking yeah oh Oh yes, yes. Oh, they've deigned to speak to me about uh, mm-hmm. an idea. What? They don't want to make this particular idea? <laughs> well, they can go and take a running jump. Jimmy Mulville, yeah. Armando Yanucci, whatever. You'll, <laughs> you'll amount to nothing. Yeah. Where, where, where are these people now? Um, so I just kind of um, sort of blew it. I wasn't weird, but I certainly i I didn't think that. You know, I just thought, well, well, my ideas are good enough. I'm bound to be good enough i'm bound to get all my ideas on anyway through my own endeavors um but yes producers are uh, good people to meet and to work with a lot um you know they they are also probably hoping to have long careers and um, they they will need lots of people over those sort of 20 30 40 years that yeah. they're making programs most uh, likely they will also say um we liked your idea i like the writing uh, we have this other idea that we're trying to get to yes. work and it's not quite working. Would you mind having to having a think about that? Mm. At which point, incidentally, you are perfectly within your rights to ask for money mm. um, or to to agree to what extent this idea is their idea and to what extent you will get no credit for coming up with some format changing and saving uh, points on it. So that's a point at which if you have an agent, you want to talk to an agent, um, take advice... Know. Mm. and um, possibly talk to the Writers Guild as well. Well, I was just going to say that as a very good point to mention, the Writers Guild have written a, a very, very good uh, document. Uh, I'm sure you can find it online if you put uh, Writers Guild 
um, of Great Britain, free is not an option, and I think that's the the title of the the, the book. But it's very it's a, it's very well written. It very explains what you need to do if someone asks you to do work, and then it's, it suggests a certain amount of work that you are expected to do for mm. free, quite reasonably. Um, but then it starts to explain and where you can think about saying, well, actually. This, we're getting into the realms of paid work now, and that that is a really uh, important uh, thing. It's important, especially when you're starting out, um, to just not not be pushed around. Really, mm. I think. Yeah. Definitely, and um, that's the. Um, <coughs> we've just got time for one, one more question, one more question um, yeah. from uh, Christian Corley, um, who says, "Does it help or hinder the end product to cast a character in your mind?" I would say it will help you. Mm. If it helps you hear the voice of the character, um, then that will help you write it, do what works, do what gets the script written. Mm. It will help you when you're talking to a producer about when they say, who do you see in this role? You can suggest someone. Um, Even if they are a Hollywood movie star or something, at least it helps them to hear the voice, even though they're obviously not going to do your proposed um, BBC Mm. Two um, sitcom, but they might do because Matt LeBlanc did. Yeah. Um, so it's worth having um, a if you are going to mention meeting uh, if you have a meeting and you do mention names, don't be afraid to go really big because they're more likely to be interested and excited about it than if you say, "Oh, there's this one actor that you've never heard of yeah. who I know would be great," and suddenly they're thinking, "Oh, right, so I've got to sell a show with a with a with a mm. non entity who may be perfectly good to a network." So you don't want to hold on to those things too much, but you, but use their voice mm. to write your script. That is a very good place to start. On the other hand, don't say, um, by the way, David Jason has said he'll definitely do it. Uh, if David Jason hasn't said to you, oh, yes, I will definitely do it, and he almost certainly hasn't, you might have got a script to him or to his agent, and someone might have written back and say, well, subject to subject to availability, he may be interested or whatever. So You're not going to get that letter, yeah. though. They're just not no. going to write back to you. No, OK. But you may yeah. know someone who knows someone or whatever. Yeah. So, um, But, yes, it does help, I think, sometimes, especially if you've got a character who is, you know, a... This a Martin Freeman type character, and it'll help help you write it, I think, as well, because you you kind of know, you know what I mean when I say that, I mm. think. So yes, so thank you, thank you for that, uh, Christian. Uh, Christian, thanks. Yeah. Yes, thanks for all your questions, and um, keep them coming. Keep them coming to I'm at Cohen Dave on Twitter and uh, James Sitcom Geek. Sitcom Geek. You can email us. Uh, sitcomgeeks uh, at gmail.com or you can yeah. like our Facebook page yeah. and ask questions on that That's and right. we will get round to answering them in some format eventually we do, we do get there in the end <laughs> yes. trust us right. um, and so, here, here's us yeah. complaining about the slow commissioning process and yeah, yeah. we are just the same Yeah. so thank you very much thanks for the questions, I say keep them coming and uh, we'll be back again soon bye